Before we dive into God's word, let's spend a moment in prayer thanking him for being good and laying before him our concerns. Father, you are good, and you are good all the time, and it's so easy to forget that because things crash in, and we, we fail, and we carry burdens. We hear news about people we love who are sick, or we get in trouble in our families, and God, we need to come together and be reminded you're good. So thank you for being the good God you are. And whenever, whenever our hearts get discouraged, God, would you lift up our eyes? Help us see you are good. Now help us hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are two kinds of people in the world. I know that's a cliche. There are people in the world who like to be in groups. And there are people in the world who don't like to be in groups. So if you are one of those people who like to be in a group, I know you already get this message. You like to be with people, you like being around people, you're interested in people, you wanna listen to people, you connect with people, you're probably an extrovert at some level, you just enjoy being with people. I don't have to tell you to get in a group, you've been in a group all your life, since kindergarten, you were one of the cool kids that sat at the cool table and all the other kids wanted to sit with because you're just that kind of person, good for you. For the rest of us, that maybe don't like groups so much, I get you. I get you, you're probably an introvert. I get you because I'm an introvert. I know every time I say that, people go, you're not an introvert, Clay. Oh yes, I am, let me have my introvertedness. Because like you, one of the reasons that I'm uncomfortable in groups is that I've been in a group. I've been in that group when the teacher suddenly looks at me and says, do you know the answer? And you don't know the answer, you just wanna wilt. Or they look at you and say, Pastor Clay, you obviously know everything, so tell us, what should we do? And I just wanna go, I just wanna be in the group, I don't wanna speak, I don't wanna lead. And sometimes we're in the group and there are annoying people in the group, have you ever noticed that? There are annoying people in the group and, and, and there seem to be some particularly selected to be annoying toward you and you're just going, oh my God, can I get out of this? Or sometimes you've been in the group and you've just been bored to death and while everybody else is talking about something you don't care about, you're planning, well, should I go to Outback today or Logan's? How much money do I have in my account? I get that. Hey, but if you're in this second group, I want to teach you something very important. You need to be in a group because isolation equals stagnation. Isolation equals stagnation. Let me explain. If you spend time just by yourself and God, that's important, but too much time with just you and God can lead you to confuse your thoughts and God's thoughts. You don't have a corrective. You don't have another voice speaking reality into you. And so you can begin to think, hey, everything in my little circle, my little brain is exactly what God thinks. And we both know that's not true. Jesus requires you to interact with other people. You know this. Because he said, love one another, and you can't love one another unless there's a one another to love. Now, you may protest and say, why can't I just be in a group where there are people like me or just love the people that I encounter, isn't that enough? No, let me tell you why. Because we all tend to become tribal. We all tend to wanna to clump with people who are just like us, and that becomes a circular 
closed system, so we're never challenged by anybody with a different point of view or has lived a different life. Now, Jesus also said to his followers, love your enemies. I used to say, join a group at Alice Drive and you will find an enemy. But that didn't seem to be very good for recruitment. So, so let me tell you the truth. You join a group, there's going to be something in that group that annoys you. And if you can learn to love the people who annoy you, you can probably learn to love people that are your enemies. And it's hard to believe, but your insight is limited. In a group, in a group, there are going to be thinkers and feelers and introverts and extroverts. There are going to be people who judge and people who perceive. There are going to be intuitive people and there are going to be sensing people. And some of you are thinking, you just copied the, copied the Myers-Briggs personality inventory and you're right. And you need different people in a different group because let me tell you, a thinker is going to see things in a passage that a feeler is not going to sense. And an introvert gets why Jesus wanted to get away from the crowd, but the extrovert understands why Jesus had compassion on the crowd. A person who is a judger understands why there are all the laws in the Old Testament, but a person who is a perceiver understands why everyone needs grace. A person who is intuitive sees God's big picture, and a person who is sensing sees what's going on in the story and then builds out the big picture that God has. And the best and healthiest groups learn to do life together. They speak truth to one another, they interact, they share, they are vulnerable. Now I told you I'm an introvert and, and it's uncomfortable, uncomfortable for me to be in a group, but I want you to know I have a group. It's mostly a group of men we meet every week, we share life, we talk about our struggles, we talk about how dependent we are on God, we are real and vulnerable, and I need that group. I love being part of that group. So in this series, What's Next, we're focused on this simple truth, following Jesus me, uh, being a Christian means you actually follow Jesus. You actually think about what he did, and then you do that. You follow the model of his life, and Jesus did life with a group, the 12 disciples. And I want you to think about who were in that group, who was in that group. There were James and John, the sons of thunder. They were loud and obnoxious. Some of you are saying, I'm in a group with them. There was Peter, the leader, there was Andrew, the extrovert, the inviter, there was um, Matthew, who had collaborated with the Romans, and there was Simon the Zealot, who wanted to overthrow the Romans. Uh, I think Jesus made them room together. There was Thomas, who could find a cloud in every silver lining, and, and then there is Judas, a liar and betrayer. What a group of messed up people. I think they all came from the Baptist church. So in this series, today we're going to connect with this big idea. You might want to write this down. To follow Jesus means connecting with a group. To follow Jesus means you are connecting with a group. 
Now, this idea is fleshed out in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at three verses, 23, 24, and 25. Hebrews is a long sermon. We don't know who wrote it, but we do know that in the early church, there were no buildings. People would gather in homes in small groups, and they would have read this sermon aloud. It would have formed the basis of what they talked about at group that night. So let's dive in and find out how a small group is actually intended to function. Verse 23, let us hold on, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now, two big truths out of this verse. First, a good group helps you hold on to hope. A good group helps you hold on to hope. Now, here's what I know about you, even though we may have never met, even though I don't know your story. Everyone in this room, everybody watching online, everybody at the campuses, you are at one of three stages in life. You are either about to enter a crisis, you're in a crisis, or you're coming out of a crisis. If you're about to enter a crisis, you can see it coming. You may try to push it off and deny it, but you can see it coming. So if you have aging parents, you know the time is coming when they are going to require either 24-hour around-the-clock nursing care, or you're going to have to put them in the nursing home, and that's going to be a crisis. You can see it coming, and you need to hold on to hope, and you need a group that's going to help you with that. Or maybe you have a 12-year-old who's about to turn 13. You are about to face a crisis, and you need a group to hold, help hold you as you go into that crisis because you're going to be told repeatedly for the next four years that you don't know anything. Now, maybe you're in a crisis. You really need a group. People in a crisis do not think straight. They do not think correctly because they are flooded. They are overwhelmed. I've talked to people who've contemplated suicide. And what they tell me always has a similar sound. They tell me they're overwhelmed by life, that they are flooded, and what seemed up was actually down, and what seemed down was actually up. They were in a fog. And if this is you, and you're in a crisis right now, you need a group to help you hold on to hope and help you understand what is real and what is not. If you're coming out of a crisis, you need people to help you understand what you've just been through. Happened in one of our groups. Somebody was giving a praise. God has just answered my prayer and this problem I was facing has been resolved. And the teacher wisely asked, what did you learn? A person thought for a minute and replied, I learned that when I thought I was alone, I wasn't. God was there. You need to think about what you learn through a crisis. Never waste a crisis. A good group helps you hold on when it's coming, when you're in, and when you're coming out of. But there's a second reality in this verse that's talked about about groups. A good group also reminds you of promises and the promiser. The Bible talks here about 
The one who promises is faithful. This is why an interactive Bible study is so vital to a group, because you're not just sharing ignorance. Have you ever been in a group where they just shared ignorance back and forth? Oh yeah. You ever wanted to run screaming from that room? Oh yeah. So the Bible helps keep us focused on a greater truth. When you read the Bible, when you study the Bible, you're reminded of the promises of God. You're reminded how God has worked generation to generation to keep his promise. And it is going to provide you perspective on your life. The church I pastored in rural Kentucky, I led a women's Bible, a woman's Bible study. Uh, we met uh, nine o'clock, I think it was, on Monday morning. And uh, we were going through the book of Acts and I came to Acts chapter three and that's the part where Peter and John heal the lame man in the temple. Now I knew all these women. I had seen them all get out of their cars. They all walked, some slowly, some quickly, into the building, into the room. They all sat down. And I said, none of us in this room know what it's like to be lame. And that was a lame thing to say. And one of the older women spoke up and said, Pastor, I, I don't want to disagree with you. But Pastor, I have arthritis. And said, every morning when I get up, it's an adventure. I swing my legs over to the side of the bed and I look at that dresser that's about two feet away and I begin the process of an intentional fall. And if I miss that dresser and don't grab hold of it, I'm gonna wind up on the floor for the rest of the day. It is an adventure getting out of the bed. And she said, Pastor, when I read that story, it's a story about hope. It's a story about heaven. It's about no longer being lame and arthritis one day going away. It's a story of how one day Jesus is gonna heal me. Pastor, you don't know what it's like to have arthritis. And then lovingly, she looked at me and she said, but you will. <laughs> a good group reminds you of the promises of God who the God is that promised them. Now let's look at verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. A good group encourages love. A good group encourages love. The, the word consider in this verse means give thoughtful consideration. Now, now that means you don't go walk into a group saying, okay, I'm here. You actually go into the group and you think, how can I love the people in this room? How can I love the people in this group? It's not just about me. I'm gonna practice loving one another. I'm gonna listen to their stories and think, wow, I can't believe they're going through that. I wanna love that person. Now, just to be confrontational for a moment, every one of you is afflicted with what we theologically call original sin. Let me tell you what original sin means. It means every one of you has been born with a tendency to be self-centered. Some of you have really developed that gift. Some of you have worked on it, but you're self-centered. And if you get in a group, it's gonna help you remember you need to love people. And there's this interesting word, and, and, and it talks about spurring one another on. This word comes from a Greek word which means to irritate. Anybody here ever spurred a horse? Okay, a couple of you have, yeah. So here's the thing, you can steer a horse in the right direction 
to go to the right place, that doesn't mean they are going at the right pace. That's why you have to spur the horse. You can get him from a walk to a trot, a trot to a run. How are we doing? Are we just kind of casually walking, trying to love and trying to do good deeds? Or do we need to be trotting or do we need to be running? And if you learn to love the people in your group, you're going to learn to love people. The people in your family and at work and your neighborhood, the people you will meet at Walmart. Because a good group encourages good deeds. There's two different ways I think this happens. One is you can be in the group and you can share what you're dealing with in life and that group can encourage you to good deeds. In our men's group, this story was told to me. Um, but a man was sharing about his wife, how his wife was always negative, always nagging, always on his case, felt like he couldn't do anything right. And another man in the group, not the leader, another man in the group spoke to him and said, well, can I just ask you, are you speaking positive words to your wife? He said, not really. And the man said, well, how often? He said, it's been a while. So this, this man, not the leader of the group, the man said, why don't you go home and, and just for the next two weeks, make sure that all you say to your wife is something positive. Two weeks, he came back to that group. He said, it's a miracle. My wife has changed. She stopped being so grumpy. You know, and she's not so negative. I can't figure out what happened. Are you saying the kind words to her? Yeah, I've been doing that. You think there's a connection? You know, there might be. That's spurring one another on to love. But also when a group actually shares together, does a project together, does a good deed together, it builds a bond like nothing else. Um, the church I served in Louisville, I taught the young marriage class, or about 12 of us in that class, and our students were going off to camp and they were 500 bucks short. And we didn't have 500 bucks. So we decided to give, do a spaghetti dinner because that's all we knew how to cook. So we arranged to do a spaghetti dinner. I think we sold tickets for five bucks and we had, we had about uh, five, 600, uh, we, we got about five or $600, had about 100, 150 people come. But we, 12 of us, were in a kitchen that was about the size of this little part of the stage. And I wanna tell you something. You cook spaghetti dinner, with 12 people in a kitchen this size, you bond. You bond. You learn who sits around and talks. You learn who's actually engaged and who's going to get the work done. You learn who ought to put on another layer of deodorant. That group got so close, and it all started with cooking that spaghetti dinner. That's why we encourage every group at our church to be sure and do a mission project together. Do something together. So, what do we need to do? Spur one another on to love and good deeds. And now look at verse 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. A good group gathers. A good group gathers. Even back in the first century, there were people, there were people who said, I'm not going to show up tonight. They won't even miss me. 
You can't connect if you're not present. Can't do it. If you're not actually online, if you're not actually in person, you can't connect. And, and what the writer says is don't give this up. Literally in Greek, it means don't leave the other people in a lurch. When you're not there, you are missed. There's a spiritual reason for this. I've talked to you about this before. Every believer has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. And when there are more of you in this room, there's more of the Holy Spirit. It's just simple math. I've been in this room by myself. I've even sung in this room when nobody else was in this room. And did I feel the Holy Spirit? Not much. Nah. Felt a little scared. But all of us together, just a moment ago, did we feel the Holy Spirit when we're singing together and we're worshiping together? Did you sense God moving and speaking? See, more of you means more of the Spirit. Don't leave everybody else in a lurch. Lyle Schaller calls this the ministry of attendance. And for all of you who've ever said, well, I can't, do, I can't sing like those folks. I can't preach. I can't teach. I don't like children. Don't ask me to work with them. I don't like students. Don't ask me to work with them. I was a public school teacher. Don't ask me to work with students. Some of you, you, you your, your things, please don't ask me to stand at the door and smile. I don't feel like smiling. I'm not a smiler. Okay, my first response to all of you who say that is bless your heart. And the second thing I want to say to you is you can show up. You can be here. You can carry the Holy Spirit with you. And your presence makes a difference. And a good group realizes that time really matters. At the end of this verse, there is this phrase, all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the writer of Hebrews here is talking about the second coming of Jesus. And he says, we have a window of opportunity. There's a window between now and when Jesus comes. And every group has a window of opportunity. And every person has a window of opportunity. And it's not an infinite amount of time. And what really makes me sad is when people miss this window. A man came to talk to me. He was struggling with a lot of issues. And I knew in our men's group, there were men who were struggling with some of those same issues. And I said, you need to go to that men's group. There are men who are struggling the same way you are struggling, and it will help you. And he said, you know, I'll think about it. Which is Baptist for, yeah, I'm never going. He never did. And what made me sad is he missed his window of opportunity. He could have been helped. He could have gotten healthier. He could have gotten some perspective. He could have gotten some hope. He could have walked through life with some other people who were going through what he was going through. With, but he, he just didn't seize that opportunity. And I think about another group about 25 years ago in our church. This is a young married class. The oldest member of the class was 38. He'd just been discharged from the Air Force, and he had a brain tumor. And I saw that group come around him and support him. They brought him food. They sat with him. They prayed with him. They babysat for he and his wife. And the cancer progressed. 
and they walked through that valley of the shadow of death. And when he died, his widow said to me, I want my group to be the pallbearers because they carried us through this most difficult chapter of life and I want them to carry Paul into eternity. That group sees the window. Okay, so you're listening to all this and you're thinking, okay, so what? What do we do? To follow Jesus means connecting with a group. And so, you remember that what's next card that you all have received now probably two or three times? Take a look at it real quick. And there's part of it in there, and I have misplaced mine. Yep, I sure did. Um, There's a, a place on there. You go down through there, and it says, you know, I want to belong to the church family. We talked about that last week. And then you see this, I have found a group. See that? And if you can't check that box, then what is your next step? Thank you, finding a group. Let's try this again. If you can't check that box, what's your next step? Find a group. I love, there was enthusiastic middle schoolers over here. So how do you do that? Well, we're gonna help you. Text 803-720-9711 if finding a group is your next step. We'll get back in touch with you and we will say, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. We may have a group option that would really fit you. But along with that, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Number one, pray. And say, God, please direct me to the group that you want me to be in. And then ask for advice. Talk to a pastor, talk to a friend, talk to a church leader. Third, try a group. Try one. Now, I know, this is where a lot of it breaks down. You say, Pastor, I just, I'm scared. I don't want to walk into a room full of people I don't know. Ask a friend to go with you. Call up the group leader and say, I am terrified to go into your group. Let the group leader tell you, it's okay. We're normal people just like you. Try a group. Ask God, is this the group I'm supposed to be in? Now, let me tell you what may happen. You may be sitting in a group and you may, you may actually start praying this. God, these are the strangest bunch of people I've ever seen. Am I supposed to be in this group? And God may tell you, yes, you are. And you're going to say, God, are you, are you sure? Because these people all seem nuts. And God is going to say, yes, you need to be in this group because I need one sane person in this group. Evaluate it. Evaluate it. Did I connect with people in the group? Were the people in this group real? Was this group encouraging or discouraging? Now, you may try a group and it didn't work. So what do you do? Repeat the process until you find the right group. Now, we have about 60 groups that are gonna be launching this fall. 60 groups, some of them exist. Currently, some of them are going to be one semester groups. Some of them are mentoring groups. We've got all kinds of groups. And so if you try all 60 groups and you don't find the right group from you, there's one or two possibilities. First possibility, God wants you to be the leader and start a new group. I heard a couple of groans. Okay, but remember, you need a group. 
Here's the second possibility. You were in the right group and you were having a bad day. The group was having a bad day. Somebody in that group reminded you of your older brother who used to tell you you were adopted and you just had a bad vibe. You go back and you say, okay, God, help me get past this. Now, if you're not in a group, get in a group. If you already are in a group, first of all, well done. And I want to say a special word of thanks to our group leaders. They do great work here at Alice Drive. And I want to take just a moment and recognize them. So if you are a group leader, if you're going to be a group leader this next semester, can I ask you to be conspicuous just for a second and stand up so that we might honor you for your leadership and we pray for you. So if you're a group leader or going to be a group leader, stand up. God bless you all. Thank you. Some of you are thinking, gee, they all look pretty normal. Pray for them. Hey, and if you're in a group now, I want to challenge you to talk about this message in your group and ask your group, are we a good group? Are we healthy? Are we doing the things that the scripture teaches? Now, what if you're not a believer? Give a group a try. It might change your life. You might discover who Jesus really is and not who you thought he was. You might find out that Christians don't have life all put together, but we follow a Jesus who does have life put all together. I want to tell you about my, one of my favorite groups at Alice Drive. This is a picture of our basketball group up in Bishopville at our Bishopville campus. Sam Smithson um, leads this group. It's a great looking group, isn't it? Uh, I especially love Spider-Man over here. Now, those of you who have not met Sam, Sam 6'9", he played basketball for Western Carolina. He started this group by going out on a basketball court in a playground in Bishopville and shooting hoops. Now he's got 21 kids in the group. It's wonderful. Now, Sam loves to talk to people about Jesus, and so um, he met a young man at Zaxby's one day, and he shared Jesus with him. And the young man said, well, I'm, I'm already a, a Christian. And Sam invited him to this basketball group. And Sam says, I've watched him grow in his character. He's becoming more like Jesus. He's opening up about some difficult things from his past. And he's finally realizing he wasn't meant to carry that burden of guilt. He wasn't meant to carry that burden of hurt from his family that Jesus has already forgiven him and Jesus wants to heal him from that family hurt. And now that's happening because he shows up every time we play basketball and have a Bible study. For most of the young men in that picture, that Bible study is their church. So even if you don't believe in Jesus, get in a group. It can change your life. It can give you hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for modeling through Jesus what it means to connect, to belong to one another. God, bless these teachers who teach, who lead in groups, encourage them. 
Give them wisdom and patience. And God, I pray everybody in a group would would feel, lean into ownership and make sure that group is good and healthy. And God, those of us who struggle to get in a group, help us find that group for us. God, I want to pray for people who don't know you, that today they'll embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.